I love to say that more marriages might survive if people remembered that better often comes after worse. We married for better or worse. And when we walk through those worst times together, those difficulties and challenges together and come out the other side and the Lord is shining brighter through us, there's no greater experience in the world than that. Well, that's Mark Merrill, and he and his wife Susan join us today on Focus on the Family. And your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller. Hey, John, I'm so excited to have Mark and Susan with us today at Focus on the Family. They are good friends who share the same heart and passion as we do here for marriage, for parenting. And uh, I kind of like to say they're bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. And uh, that is our goal today, together, to help strengthen you in your marriage. We're going to talk about that. This isn't the deep stuff if you're suffering through really uh, traumatic things in your marriage. That'll be a different program. Today, it's for those of us who are kind of just feeling like I'm not on the top of my game when it comes to my marriage. For us guys that we're not concentrating on developing our relationship with our wives the way we should be. And maybe for you wives, uh, you're thinking, okay, I've maybe slacked off a bit, loving my husband the way he needs to be loved. This is the program for you. It is. Well, Mark and Susan are the founders of Family First, which is uh, on mission to provide parenting and marriage and relational truth to help you love your family well. And they're speakers and bloggers, and they've got a companion set of books that they've put out. One is Lists to Love By for Busy Wives, and of course, the companion is Lists to Love By for Busy Husbands. Hey, welcome to both of you. Thanks Thank for you. being here. Thank we're, you for having We're us. grateful. Thank you for having us. Hey, um, before we get going, I love this kind of day because this is the tune-up. You know, this is where we can just talk with a light heart in many ways about what's happening and hopefully be a bit playful with it. Um, in that regard, how did you guys meet? I mean, what? how did God bring you guys together? Let's go right to it. Well, well, Jim, we have different stories, but we I'm going to give the executive summary Mine's today. Okay, good. And uh, the executive summary is we, I was actually in law school and Susan was an undergrad at University of Florida. Susan, you were pursuing a, a legal guy? Can you believe no, it? No, I wasn't a pursuing lawyer? him. Now, that's where the story might <laughs> and I vary. Pra- I practice for a while. I'm a recovering attorney now, always okay. recovering. But uh, we met. Uh, actually, I remember seeing her ultimately at the sorority house, and I thought, boy, that girl is cute. She was doing this barbershop quartet number. <laughs> and I just looked at her, and I said, I need to know who she is. She just looks wholesome and cute and wonderful. And so that's where it all started. But, you know, and, and so after we met, what really was attractive uh, for me to Susan was that she was just lively. She had so much character and so much excitement. She was spontaneous and creative. And they say that before marriage, opposites attract, and after marriage, opposites attack. What was once appealing is now annoying. (laughs) You know how many couples just went, yep, yep, yep. (laughs) Yep, yep. And, And one of the things that was really interesting is I had this expectation and I thought Susan would be organized. I thought she would be uh, disciplined, all the things that I was. And I, <laughs> I expected her to be more like me. And so those early years in our marriage, I w- became somewhat critical of her because I wanted her to be more like me. And so she started to become more like me. And guess what? I didn't like it. Oh. I was re- It was really bothering me that she was becoming more like me. That's pretty and interesting. And so I the, I had to have a confrontation. And the biggest confrontation I, ha- I had to have wasn't with Susan, it was m- with myself. Right. I needed to change the way I think I needed to change our expectations for our marriage. You know, to help the listener, you know, they're probably connecting somewhat. But give us an example of that critical spirit that you had 
the control that you were exerting that was frustrating her. But you were trying to be the good wife right. and be the right spouse. So you were changing, yeah. as you said well, in the opening, you were changing who you were, Susan, to meet Mark's needs. People can identify yeah. with that, but yeah. that created frustration, right? I can give examples early in the marriage, especially because we got married and literally a year, two weeks short of a year later, had our first child. So you went from a couple who was out there doing law and banking and this and that, and going, 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 and all of a sudden, I'm a stay-at-home mom. And so where I was like, whoa, this is going to be so much fun, and we're going to play, and we had another one right after that, and and we are playing, and I'm doing manipulatives, and we're creating, and it's a hot mess, a fun <laughs> hot mess. Great for me, because I'm thinking, and great for my girls, um, because they are exploring, and I was very much into child development, and I'm a researcher. You're the super mom. Oh, I can see it right now. we are just having so much fun, and enjoying every minute. Like, I did not have a struggle making that transition. I loved being a creative mom. But Mark would come home and it and you know, dinner probably wouldn't be ready and I'd be so excited, like, look what we made today and look this, at this is mess that we made volcanoes and so we yes. have to eat on the and, patio. And I'm like yeah. pulling him into it, going, Come join us. This is so awesome and he's more like, Okay, what what this is too much chaos for me. Okay, now most guys can identify that. We won't admit it. It's politically incorrect. But did you ever come home and say, What have you been doing all day? Oh Look yeah, and my, it, it, maybe I didn't say that with my words because I was trained by oh, you my were smart focus enough. on the family training and all the radio shows I've listened to back in the 80s, but it was something that I thought in my mind, like, you know, I have been working so hard all day and really I don't have, you know, great expectations, but I, I'd like some dinner and I want some organization. Quiet. And, you know, basically everybody come greet me at the door and, oh, worthy father, you are home. <laughs> and it just doesn't work like that. And really, I really started squashing Susan's spirit there. And that uh-huh. fun-loving, creative, wonderful, wonderful woman, I was snuffing it out. And so that's where I really had to come to grips with this and really seek her forgiveness and just say, Lord, just to cry out, I've been so wrong in this. You know, a lot of people, they may not have come to that realization that I'm squelching or crushing my mm-hmm. spouse, no matter what the direction, male to female or vice mm-hmm. versa. How does a person begin to get that awareness? I would say for me, I finally found the words to say, when you come home or when we interact, I feel like there is a flavor of the week, Mm -hmm. an ice cream flavor of the week that I need to meet. Every week you're working on me in some area and you're saying, okay, this week, can you do the laundry this way? Or this week when I come home, can da, da, da. And I am a pleaser. And what robbed my joy in our marriage and in our family was that I couldn't please in every way every week. And that was debilitating to It was you. debilitating. I'm sure depressing. Yes. And and so I, I said to that, mm-hmm. I have to understand what is the big win for you? What If I could just do three wow. things for you, what would it be? And I will try to meet those three, and then you have to let me, um, you know, just be the person That right I am. there is powerful. Just right. the three things. Can you help me? Man, that is, I'm thinking I need to do that with and, Gene. Yeah. What, really, <laughs> what are three things I can do? What really resonated with me was not, you never do this. You always do this. I don't like when you do this. It was her expressing her feelings to me. It says, here's how it makes me feel. And then she gave me this wonderful word picture, this flavor of the week, that there's always something that you're critical of. You're never satisfied with anything. And I was looking for my happiness 
and my satisfaction in Susan rather than in the one who created Susan and I, Hmm. the Lord. And um, so I had to come to a reality of, you know what? I got I to gotta really focus on what's important here and what are those two or three things that are important to me. I shared those with her, and then I had to start letting go all these other things that were maybe a one, two, or three and focus on the eight, nines, and tens. And so actually we do that sometimes we together. Do. We'll is say, one is that an eight? Is that a nine? What is that on a That's scale of one to ten? How important? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. now – now, not everything can be a 10, but now I do throw away those other things. Like even now, the bathroom drawers are still pulled out and open, and I'm organized. <laughs> and I want everything telling. in its place. But stop. you know what? <laughs> I'm with you. I, I got to let it go. It's not, a t- it's it's not, not a an 8, 9, or 10. And so I'm just focused on two, three things. I, I've got to ask. So even if you have this kind of a conversation, you know, just three things, and you, and you make that mental reset, how long does it take? before that becomes kind of a natural part of the rhythms of your marriage? Because there are expectations that, there, I said my three things, and now we're all good, right? Right. (laughs) So successful marriages do consistently what average marriages do occasionally, and that's the trick. Mm -hmm. And that's why the structure of these books are simple, short chapters. So you can even peruse the table of contents and go, okay, these are the five topics that are really tough for us. So we're just going to work on those till they become a habit. And that's the point. We're so crazy busy today. We're not taking the time to develop those habits that love each other well. Let's get into some of those lists, some of your favorites. Uh, This is from your heart, and you're speaking to those married couples, which you do at Family First so often. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's start with your favorites, Mark. Where where do you find yourself in in this great list of lists? Well, I have several favorites, and uh, but one of them is uh, three keys to unlock the door to intimacy in marriage, which is I think is such an important one, and that's what people are really they're they're so lonely today, and you and I have talked about that, Jim, where people are lonely and they're lost and they're longing for something more and something better in their relationship, but they don't know how to find it and where to find it. And we know one thing, that if they don't have that foundation of trust, trusting the Lord, but also trusting one another in that relationship, then they are not going to be traveling down a a very smooth road in the future. There's going to be a lot of bumps and a lot of potholes. So that trust issue is the key to intimacy. Yeah. And and when you talk about that loneliness, there's been lots of articles appearing in various publications around the country uh, right now about the loneliness in marriage. Why do you think that's occurring? What's, What's happening in marriages today generally? that create that loneliness? I think part of that, and Susie, you might chime in on this as well, but in the list of love by books, we talk, it's for busy husbands, and there's one also for busy wives. And I think busyness leads to neglect. And there Mm. have, I can tell you that each and every one of us this week have spoken to somebody who said, you said, hey, how you doing, John? And they said, oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm just crazy busy. Everyone, we almost wear it as a badge of honor, but it leads to neglecting our spouse and we become the two proverbial ships that pass in the night. And then we start becoming lonely because we have no fellowship. Just like if we're not convening and spending time in prayer and in God's word with the Father, 
we experience that loneliness without him in the same in a marriage relationship, and we're not really spending time and just sitting down and talking one-on-one. So that's one of the list. It's talk mm-hmm. one-on-one together. Yes, yes. And no what would be another example of how to close that loneliness gap? I think loving well starts with empathy and time. And so one of you know the different things we talk about in all the lists is, are you sharing time together? So if I am exhausted from working and I come home and Mark has had something deeply hurtful happen to him and he starts talking about it, but I've got my to-do list on, I'm not going to empathize him. I'm going to be like, okay, suck it up. Right. You know, and that's what creates that loneliness Mm -hmm. then, because although I may with my eyes and my face pretend to listen, I'm really not entering deeply. Mm. I'm thinking, does he know what I have to do? Now, that that's kind of amazing because it's usually the shoe on the other foot for you to have that kind of attitude. I would think a lot of married couples are experiencing this where the the husband might come home. He compartmentalizes. He's not going to talk Mm. about what he's just Mm -hmm. upset. Mm -hmm. And his wife doesn't know what's happening. And he's not really thinking, I don't want to waste more time about what happened at work today. I'm just done with that. And, And he's just grumbling and he's just fed up with everything. She's trying to figure out what's going on. He won't connect with me. He can't connect with me. He's got a problem with intimacy in that way, emotional intimacy. That would be a more typical way, do you think, or do you disagree? I do, but I think times may be changing. The demands on women today Mm. are definitely unreasonable. So we're all grumpy. I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I talk to so many women today who are in those um, child-raising years, and the demands of the kids' schedules Mm. at school, the demands of the extracurricular activities. Mm -hmm. Many of these women are working part-time or full-time. And so you only have so much capacity to be empathetic and so much time. And if you then feel like you have to give that to your kids, then your husband is getting leftovers. And that's why it's so important, Jim and John, that, that, that to when you're lonely in marriage, I believe because of that busyness is always there, um, you know, stealing uh, your time like a thief to really make sure that we're creating a, I call it a stop doing list. And that, we, how many things that we, all four of us are doing that are bad things? Hopefully not. No. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's, but many. it's a stop doing list of good things that aren't God's best things. I always say only do what only God would have you do. Only do what only God would have you do. What are the most important things that he would have us do in our marriage relationship, in our life, with our kids, and then create a stop doing list of other things that may be good but may not be the best that God what, has What for did us. that list look like? I get it, and I try to do that. What did the list look like for you when you started to take that inventory? Um, when I took the inventory, I saw that I was serving on some different committees. I was serving on boards. some additional boards, and I serve on one board today, and that's it, at Family First. And I took off all those other things that were wonderful things and good organizations, and even things, get this, at church that may not be our highest and best used. Instead of doing 10 things at church, maybe there's one thing that we should be focused in on. Mm. Those are good points. Mm -hmm. And I think for women, you know, don't feel like you have to do everything for your kids. A, even in the home. Say that again. Don't feel like you have to do everything. We really do so much today for our children. And then we also do so much that we feel everyone else wants us to do. Like your kids have to be in sports. They have to learn to play musical instruments. They have to do this. They have No, they don't. Because at the end of the day, we have grown children now. We know this. Yeah. Um, but if, Susan, if you don't do it, 
for that child, it's not going to get done, right? Mm-hmm. And learn. that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we're into the homework discussion. Yes, hey, yes. Susan, in fact, you had an acronym in your book, um, List to Love By for Busy Wives. I think it was L-Y-L-A-C-C-C. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is that Lilac? Love you like a chocolate chip cookie. So that's just Love one of the Love you like fun a chocolate codes. chip cookie. Tell me what that is. So when my kids were at um, Canacuck or camp or wherever they were, or if I did lunchbox notes for them, they know how much I love cookies in particular and so i would make up all these different acronyms and and they know that's our code love you like a chocolate chip cookie that is fun i love that one um give me the things to do about developing that intimacy in fact you refer to it uh kind of flirtatious creative ways to flirt and so every guy's ear just opened up right now right so what what were you getting at? i want to hear these things yes well we have five kids and when we adopted two and just went from three to five quickly because we adopted a nine and a 12 year old uh my days went into overtime big time and that's where i hit my some things i need to say no to but mark came to me to talk one day and said you know i miss my wife and you know you're the fun in our marriage you're the whatever and i realized i just wasn't giving him the look anymore i wasn't giving him the lip the tease the cute over the table in front of the kids going gross Honey, I want, you know, I want you. If, you're, if you don't hear your kids saying gross, uh, there's <laughs> yep. not enough you're flirtation not going on. You're not flirting. Exactly. That's kind of fun, though. But it's what, fun. what crushes that desire, particularly for wives? Uh, and speak brutally honest, Susan. Right. What takes away from the desire to do that? It is so important. Yeah. Exhaustion. Yeah. Again, we're running on empty, and we forget why we started this journey. We forget that I was, I was madly in love with you and, um, and what it felt like. And then at the end of this game with our kids, it's going to be you and I again. And at the end of the day, is there not the highest calling for us is to love one another? It's the second yeah. greatest commandment is to love your neighbor. And I firmly believe that in God's eyes, my closest neighbor is my husband mm. and my child a close second. But my husband, so how I treat him first and foremost, and the intimacy that we have that other couples can see in us and draws them to marriage. Yeah. You know, how many more marriages would we have if the world could see as believers how in love we are? And well, how we're and fulfilling I appreciate that, that. You know, someone once described a woman's heart like a rose, and we can tend to not water as husbands, water that rose. and. Over time, it just shrivels up and dies, mm-hmm. that emotion inside them to want to be flirtatious, to want to be having the fun that they experienced when they were dating or when they were first married. So I got to turn to you, Mark, and say, what do we do as husbands that we're not watering our wives' heart roses that cause them to no longer really notice who we are? And we as guys, let's face it, we want to be talked to in that way. Yeah. But, you know, stroke my ego. Yeah. <laughs> love but, me because yeah. I'm super strong or super good looking or whatever. Yeah. Whatever, we, whatever we think of ourselves. Jim, Jim, let me kind of take us to a deeper level on this answer because I could give you some superficial answers. But here's the bottom line is if we're to love our children well, uh, I have got to love Susan well, love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for to make her holy. 
And, and we know that, right, as believers. Uh, but if I'm going to, how do I love Susan well? Well, the only way, way to love Susan well is to love God well, because God is love, and we first love because he loved us first, right? And so we are only able to love our spouses well if we love God well. So ultimately, what I found creates the greatest intimacy, the greatest joy in our relationship that that has even just in the last year has gone deeper for us is just to be reading God's word together. She and I were reading the Psalms together in the morning. I mean, some people would say, what? You did what? We're reading the Psalms together and the joy of the Lord and what God is doing in our lives. And, and then praying together with one another. Hmm. What greater way to create intimacy with one another than to be have that intimacy with the Father together? In the chapter, one of the lists is six things you must know about your husband. And it, obviously, there's a, a counter chapter to six things you must know about your wife. But we give practical things like, what is their love language? What's his biggest dream? What spells romance for him? Nail those simple things down. And, you know, at the end, every chapter is only four pages. At the end, there's questions to nail those down and then go back and remember, you know, I just don't feel close right now. Let me go back to it. What's his love language again? How can I do you create ever, that? Do you ever encounter fear that if I do that, then I'm accountable to deliver? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In other words, it's interesting. Sometimes we don't want to tread into those waters because now I'm aware of what the need of my spouse is. I would say if if that's where you are, if that's what you're feeling right now, conquer it now. Because, you know, your highest calling in your marriage is, is to be one. And you can't be one if you don't intimately know them. And so you're on a path then that I would be fearful again then for your marriage. Well, and I love that. And I support that 100%. I just, I, I'm thinking of folks who, uh, you know, might shy away from wanting to do the hard work. Right. Mm-hmm. It's hard It's better and to live superficially. It's easier to live superficially. Yeah. It is. But then we have, a, we have a choice here. Live superficially, and then you're never going through those challenges and difficulties together. Or you can have that deeper relationship where you experience this great intimacy and this great joy with one another. And uh, I, I love to say that more marriages might survive if people remembered that better often comes after worse. We married for better or worse. And when we walk through those worst times together, those difficulties and challenges together and come out the other side, and the Lord is shining brighter through us, there's no greater experience in the world than that. Well, that is so good, and I appreciate that. I want to end with another little section of the book where you talked about five powerful words for your marriage. Uh, Let me just touch on them, and you come back and fill in a bit. One was respectful words for each other, affirming words toward each other, caring words, encouraging words, appreciative words. Mm -hmm. I think that is so critical. And I love ending here because I think our tongue, as the scripture says, Mm -hmm. carries a lot of weight Mm -hmm. and can either kill or lift up. And that's probably going back to the rose analogy. Uh, We as husbands can often use our tongues to kill the spirit in our wives, and vice versa. Um, Speak to those five. Yeah, the tongue is the most powerful part of our body. I mean, James clearly tells us about that, and we really need to 
chain it, tame it, and train it, as I like to say. And so words are extremely, extremely important. And I'm a wordsmith. And so uh, those respectful words are important. Affirming words are important. I remember Truett Cathy, our friend, Mm -hmm. founder of Chick-fil-A. Truett once said to me, Mark, how do you really know someone needs encouragement? I was like, I don't know, Truett, how? He said, if they're breathing. (laughs) those affirming words those words of encouragement i think are some of the most important words that we can provide to our spouse and to our children because you know what everybody needs encouragement especially in today's world there's so much going on and we need to encourage one another Mm -hmm. and encouraging words is my love language and mark if if you go back to the beginning of the segment his critical spirit was exactly yeah. what the enemy was using mm. to, to crush you. Mm-hmm. So you gotta, you gotta use, lift each other up. It's been so good to have the murals with us today, and I trust you were able to pick up some tips to better relate to your spouse. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire Focus on the Family team, thanks for listening. I'm John Fuller. I was nodding my head so often as the Merrills were speaking because I completely agree that couples these days are so busy. Life is busy. And as Mark said, we often wear busyness as a badge. But we should be looking for the things in our lives that God would have us focus on and narrow down the long list of to-dos. Perhaps you need to reevaluate where you're at and Adjust your life in certain areas so that you can be more available to your spouse. The resource I want to recommend is a book bundle, Loving Your Husband Well and Loving Your Wife Well. It's a 52-week devotional for husbands and wives. Each week's entry in both volumes centers on the same theme and includes scripture, a powerful devotion, a prayer, thoughts for further reflection, and practical ideas, all designed to help you love, cherish, and serve the person who shares life's journey with you. You can get that book bundle when you call us on 031-716-3300 or find it on our website at safamily.co.za. Let me also make mention of our Focus on the Family Marriage Assessment. It is a great tool. It's a quick little quiz on our website, and it's going to highlight the areas of strength in your marriage and maybe an area or two to work on. It takes just a few minutes, but it's really insightful. That's also at our website, safamily.co.za. Thanks for joining us for today's Focus on the Family. I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back next time when we'll, as always, help you and your family thrive in Christ.